Talk Law Radio with Todd Marquardt is sponsored by the Marquardt Law Firm and does not attempt to solve your individual legal problems upon the basis of information contained herein. Instead, contact an attorney to discuss the specific facts and circumstances of your unique situation. The views and opinions of this program do not reflect the views of the Salem Media Group. It's time for Talk Law Radio with Todd Marquardt. Todd Marquardt, attorney at law in Texas. If you're a millionaire or a thousandaire, Talk Law Radio is now on the air. Call in with your business law question, your elder law question. Veteran aid, Medicaid, build a business to get paid. 210-308-8867. Or ask a question online at marquardtlawfirm.com. That's M-A-R-Q-U-A-R-D-T lawfirm.com. And now, it's Talk Law Radio with Todd Marquardt. Welcome to Talk Law Radio. I'm Todd Marquardt, and we're on 9.30 a.m. The Answer. And later, we'll be on Apple Podcasts and TalkLawRadio.com. By the way, happy Mother's Day. Okay, so the State Bar of Texas is the state agency that governs attorney law licenses, and the State Bar wants attorneys to inform the public about the law but because legal advice must be tailored to the specific circumstances of each case, and because laws are ever-changing, material discussed in this program is meant for general informational purposes only and is not to be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice. Although information has been gathered from sources believed to be reliable, please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should be relied upon only when coordinated with individual professional advice. Marquardt Law Firm is sponsoring our show today, and attorneys at Marquardt Law Firm focus on business and estate law, including last wills, living trusts, tax-protected inheritance plans, new businesses, and old businesses, which might have issues with corporations, contracts, LLCs, FLPs, and we can represent those who are facing problems from lack of planning, like in lawsuits, uh, court cases, breach of contract, guardianships, probate, and personal injury. Check out our blog at marquartlawfirm.com to read about what's going on with virtual jury trials. Before we get started talking about the law, let's begin with prayer. Dear God, thank you for this day. Thank you for all the gifts and blessings that you give to us. Please forgive us for our sins when we make mistakes, when we do the wrong thing, or when we fail to do your will. Please help us today, uh, John, Con, and me, give good information to the listeners about mortgages. Please help us to use the gifts and talents you have provided for the good of your people, for our own good, and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now it's time to discover your legal issue blind spots by listening to me talk about the law on the radio. Today we're talking with John Kahn with Cross Country Mortgage about mortgages. Welcome to the show. Hey, Todd. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here. I'm a huge fan of, uh, well, it's a radio show, but I listen to the Uh podcast, so I'm a huge fan. Yeah, uh, it's funny you say that because um, I did a a YouTube video a while back to teach younger people about what radio was (laughs) because 
I know a lot of young people listen to podcasts. And then I did another video to teach older people what a podcast was. Nice. <laughs> so you can hear it both ways. Okay, John, tell us, where are you from? Um, so I was born in Plano, which is the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And then um, I grew up here in San Antonio. My parents relocated to San Antonio when I was two years old. And, and that's been a huge blessing um, because um, I was diagnosed with a severe profound hearing loss, which is legal deafness. And San Antonio has Sunshine College School for the Deaf, which is one of the top schools for deaf and hard of hearing in the United States. So it was a huge blessing for me. I, I would not be the same person without that opportunity. Great. Thank you for sharing that. Tell us something about the family. Uh, my what, fam- whatever you're comfortable with. Um, well, so it, um, I, I keep a real tight-knit family. Um, uh, we grew up very private, very, very private people, and so some of those habits still stick with me. So, you know, personal things, or, um, I don't share as much with friends and family, and they'll go, wow, I never knew you were going through that all that time. <laughs> so yeah. I'm trying to let go of that, but very okay. private family. How did you get started in the mortgage business? So, um, I, um, well, I was a, a department manager at HEB. I was with HEB for five years. And um, long story short, I, I wanted a different opportunity because uh, uh, I had graduated from UTSA uh, with a degree in finance, and uh, I was struggling in the job market. Uh, I, I got a part-time job to, um, working at HEB, just checking and bagging, and, and um, uh, I just wanted to be self-sufficient and not dependent on friends and family. Mm-hmm. So I had just done such a good job that um, one day a manager came to me and said, hey, John, have you considered a career with HEB? And I hadn't. I'd been looking at banking finance jobs. That was mm-hmm. my background. And me, with a college degree, I go, you mean there's more to HEB than checkers and baggers? <laughs> <laughs> So after a while, you know, I, I just decided to give it a shot. It was the best opportunity available to me. I jumped on it. I had a really great career, and uh, um, HB has, has um, great leadership capacity. Mm-hmm. But after about five years, I knew I wanted to be in banking and finance. So I jumped the other side of the fence, um, straight into mortgages. I, I felt real comfortable with real estate. Um, and uh, real comfortable with numbers, and in my head, it was if interest rates are pretty much the same, all I'm really doing is just educating people. And, and uh, Obviously, I find out the hard way, interest rates are not the same everywhere, but my mentality was uh, all I'm really doing is just educating people. How do you build wealth through real estate? How do you save money? Mm-hmm. How do you buy a home? Uh, and I, I just jumped in with both feet, and uh, um, that's it. What did you have to do in addition to the college to, to get um, trained? For that position, the um, certification, the biggest one is the um, National Multi Licensing System (NMLS) license. So, uh, not every single loan officer has to have that. Um, the big bank, like Chase Wells Fargo, they don't actually have to be licensed to originate the loan. But um, most individual loan officers that are much more hands-on, they have to have that license. And um, so anytime you're working with a licensed loan officer, they're going to have both the NMLS license, uh, which, is, which is a tough barrier to entry. It, it's it's um, 
a very high fail rate. You had to study for that? I had to study for that. And, and um, I, I paid it out of my own pocket. There, there was no job guaranteed for me. I just knew this is what I wanted to do. And I, I jumped in with both feet. I paid for the education. I did the education while I was working. Um, and, and then there's also continuing education. There's more than just the animalized license. There's also a support to continue uh, your education so you can provide more value. But that is the bare minimum basic for entry into this industry. What, uh, what other education did you do? What other certifications are there? So I am um, actually a mortgage coach. And um, it's a, a high level of education, ongoing, and they actually have a ranking system okay. for the more education that you put on, the higher level ranking you attain as a mortgage coach. Um, and so every single week, the, the, um, some of the top people in the industry are coming together and they're saying uh, this is the most uh, cutting-edge information in this industry, the, this is how we're saving our customers the most money. This is how you can structure a certain deal because at the end of the day, there, there are hundreds of ways to structure a loan. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times we tend to think, okay, just push a button and a mortgage comes out. A lot of businesses are structured that way, and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. But um, when mortgages can get really complicated if you want them to. It can get complicated in a good way. Um, you can structure um, mortgage insurance. You can structure the interest rate. You can structure the uh, short and long-term goals based on um, 5, 10, 15, 30-year outlook. And you would ideally want a completely different mortgage based on how long you intend to be in that home, how much you're going to put down. Um, it, 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 there's so many different things. And then on top of that, there's hundreds of different programs um, and how do you pick the right program for your buyer? How do you be uh, that um, financial advisor? Yeah, I want to talk about those programs when we, after we take the break. We'll talk more about refinancing. We'll talk about uh, financing a mortgage to buy a home for first-time home buyers, for veterans, for those who have lots of money and want to buy a really big house. We'll right. talk about all that stuff after this break. You're here on Talk Law Radio with Todd Marquardt and discussing mortgages with John Kahn. And you can call in if you have a question today right now at 210-308-8867. Be right back. If you recently moved to Texas from out of state, your current will, trust, and power of attorney may need to be reviewed and updated. Wills and powers of attorney are state-specific, so it might be a good idea to meet with a Texas attorney. Marquardt Law Firm is the go-to firm in San Antonio for wills, trust, and powers of attorney. They'll develop a strategy to tax-efficiently protect and preserve your assets, reduce family conflict, and maximize government benefits. Call today to schedule your no-cost legal consultation. 210-530-4278. Protect what's yours with Marquardt Law Firm. Welcome back to Talk Law Radio. This is Todd Marquardt on 9.30 a.m. The Answer. Later today, we'll be on Apple Podcasts and TalkLawRadio.com. Today, we have uh, John Kahn with Cross Country Mortgage. We're going to be talking about uh, refinancing and mortgage purchase. 
Okay, John, before the break, you were telling us about um, how you were training for the mortgage industry. Uh, Wanted to find out, what has this last year been like for you as a mortgage officer? Uh, What have you learned from the pandemic? Um, so the pandemic was unprecedented time. A, a lot of companies operated completely different than they ever operated. So companies that, uh, well, f- first of all, the government lowered the interest rates, and they were record low. So the way that I look at my job is if I do my job right, ideally a customer will never need to refinance unless there's a specific wealth strategy involved in that refinance. So, um with interest rates dropping the way they did, it was, it was huge. Um, companies that were normally doing a billion dollars in volume a month ended up doing two billion dollars a week. Um, wow! That, it, it was massive, massive amount of volume. Um, I, I'd done more refinances than I'd ever done in my life this past year. But um, another thing was just the the change of the way that. Um, mortgage companies structured their businesses. A lot of them had to uh, adapt with um, uh, with the pandemic. People were forced to work from home. And um, it, it's not just mortgages, but now we're going to start seeing it in society. More and more people working from home. It's becoming socially acceptable. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, th- there have been a lot of studies where I, I generally if um, – uh, when somebody goes to work from home, you can see productivity go up anywhere between 20 and 40 percent. Um, now, the way that I view that, and this is just my personal opinion, is um, that at the time that those studies were done, um, the the people that typically were offered the opportunity to work from home, they usually did better than average at, at their work. They were trustworthy enough mm-hmm. where they considered, okay, we'll let you work from home. Um, they didn't feel if the employees didn't feel those employees were dependable, they wouldn't even be having that conversation. Well, the pandemic happened, and then everybody's forced to work from home. Within my industry, the mortgage industry, productivity went down 20%. Wow. So um, it's just a fact of life. Uh, a lot of people need some level of oversight mm-hmm. uh, to meet what most But not companies. you. Your production went up. My production went up. Um, uh, the, I had it, it was a, it was a good time for me. It was a good time for my business. Um, because you're self disciplined enough to to sit there and do the work. I'd like to think so. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, I I saw some uh, changes during the pandemic too. Mine were mostly related to power of attorney and wills and trusts. People uh, started to want to get their affairs in order. Okay. Uh, because they were afraid of uh, passing away due to the pandemic. Okay, Um, so besides the drop in the interest rate, what do you think makes you special? What has made you successful in your industry? Well, um, the biggest one is the the fact that I, I do consider myself a mortgage coach, um, I, I, the last thing I ever want to be is the guy where you push a button and a mortgage spits out. Mm-hmm. Because uh, at the end of the day, it, it's important to understand your client financial goals. Um, there's, there's a lot of money in real estate, both on the buying and selling home side as well as the um, mortgage side, the financing side. And so it can be real easy for a customer to be pushed in a direction that may not be the best direction for that customer to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it, because at the end of the day, everybody kind of wants 
everybody kind of wants to close a deal and get paid on that deal. So um, the customer, because mortgages can be so complicated, because um, even um, legal contracts can be complicated, the customer doesn't really know what they don't know. It's a tough spot to be in. And the ability to actually show somebody, hey, this is the short-term and long-term impact of this one loan program, and let me compare it to three other loan programs, and you decide for yourself what's best for you and your family. That's what makes you a coach, right? That's what makes me the coach. Because I'll be honest, when I first started in this industry, I didn't have those skills. I didn't have that kind of training. I didn't invest in myself in that way. And so um, what I thought was the best thing for a customer, sometimes I push them in that direction. Like, mm-hmm. hey, you know what, do this because you're going to get a tax write-off benefit for this mm-hmm. versus this opportunity. And in the customer's head, they were looking at something completely different. They didn't care about the tax benefit. They cared about, you know, I want the lowest monthly payment. Uh, and, and so in my head, it's like you're saving more money this way, mm-hmm. but they don't see it that way in, in, in their view. So those were some painful lessons when you work really hard and you know you're the best op- option for someone and they go with someone who's a worse option than you were. The, it's a painful lesson. Yeah. But I'm grateful for those lessons as well because it pushed me into being more than just a commodity. So I, I, I let people decide for themselves, look, th- these are a handful of ways I can structure it. Tell me what you like the most and then I'll see if I can tweak it to make it even better. And, and um, that, that's the kind of service that I want to give to all of my customers. Uh, I've gotten really good at doing that. Uh, Right. Yeah, that's awesome. So you live here in San Antonio, um, but you work for a mortgage company that has an office address in Austin. Why is that? So a really interesting thing. It took me a while to figure this out myself. A company will have multiple different branches, you know, um, a chase there's multiple different Chase banks all right. over town, right? And, and I'll try to get away from naming places. But each branch of a company has a different operations team. And not all operations teams are the same. Mm-hmm. You know, they just, some are just more dialed in than others. And so for me, what, the most important thing was, what is the team that I have backing me up? And um, so I actually looked at the report, Cost Country actually tracked, the um, the turn times, the efficiency, um, the, the uh, believe it or not, uh, the same company, different branches can have a different interest rate. Um, so all those things added up, and I said, you know what? Even though I'm here, and it'd be it'd be um, uh, easier just to join a local branch, I feel like I can have more value to my customers by being more dialed in, being a part of this Austin branch that has a bigger, more support, um, a little bit faster on their turn times. Um, and so I just felt like it was the right brand for me. That's great. Yeah, so they're more support, and they're faster on turning around the, the paperwork, getting the loan process. Yes, yes. Now, I have to be careful and say that that I'm not picking out certain people or branches mm-hmm. or branches or anything. I mean, across country, and, and I'm sure any company, you get big enough to design to be highly efficient. Um, I had looked at numbers that were important to me that I felt would be important to my customers, and I made a judgment call to say that's the team that I wanted to work with. That's awesome. So I'm not handpicking any, any, local, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> any local branches. We're not going to throw shade. Okay, so uh, f- first question about refinancing. Uh, are people still refinancing even though interest rates have gone up? They're not as low as they once were? So believe it or not, um, 
a lot of refinances are still going on, but there's more to refinancing than just a lower rate. Um, one conversation that doesn't get had very often is if you're just going for a lower monthly payment, um, well, in any refinance, there's a cost, right? And those are typically closing costs. And um, the thing about refinances is you can wrap the closing costs into the loan. So you can kind of hide it a little bit. And so uh, what's really happening is you're going to the customer saying, hey, I'm saving you $50, $100, $200 a month. And they see that number and they go, okay, great, I'll take it. They're not seeing the, what's happening on the back end where they're pushing the debt out, they're increasing the, the liability over the long run, and, and that, that opportunity cost that comes with taking that equity and putting it towards closing costs. Um, so there is the aspect where for some people, refinancing for a lower monthly payment can really benefit them. But there's more than just getting a lower monthly payment. A lot of people are using the home equity wealth, which is appreciating at a crazy amount these days, and they're they're pulling uh, equity out to consolidate debt. Some people have hit a really hard time, and they have uh, um, high-interest credit card balances. And um, it it just kind of makes sense to get a lower interest rate, um, even even if it's not record lows, uh, still a much lower interest rate, and uh, uh, let's just say 3%, 3%, and then... um, consolidate all those credit card debts which normally have 20%, 15% interest rate. Um, A lot of people are using their home equity to um, renovate their home, you know, make it a place that they want to live. Uh, A lot of people are using it to pay for their kids' colleges. And so, um, believe it or not, um, student loans are not as cheap as they used to be. So, so, um, having, having a much lower interest rate and putting that into your home equity um, versus just going out and getting a student loan, some people are seeing this is this is a long term wealth strategy for me. I'm investing in my kids. I'm investing in my own education. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there, there are so many reasons why somebody can do a refinance. I mean, sometimes they're taking that equity out to buying a second home or they're buying an investment home. So there's more to wealth building than just how much can I save every month. And that's my goal is just to find is that is this the right opportunity for you. Maybe an actuality when we look at the numbers doesn't really play out the way that we thought that it would. And that's okay with you. And you- I'm okay with it uh, because uh, any time that I turn down business or I, I say I'm not the best provider for you, somebody else is going to do a better job at this particular scenario, mm-hmm. or um, I tell somebody, look, that's a better deal than what I can offer. Right, but look out for this, this, and this to make sure that it's not a bait and twist. Uh, it, it only increases my reputation. Mm-hmm. I'm 100% word of mouth before. I don't do any advertising, um, no Jello leads or lending tree leads or anything like mm-hmm. that. So um, I believe that doing the right thing, being honest, and, and sometimes that means turning away business, ultimately has gotten me to where I'm at today. Great. Yeah, that answers that question, too. How, how have you made yourself successful through those referrals and by educating your clients? Terrific. Okay. So what should someone consider in order to decide whether to refinance? Um, the the first, first and foremost, it really, it, it's good to get dialed in on what you're trying to accomplish. Mm-hmm. Um, now, for some people, it's just, hey, I want to pay off my home faster. Right? That is a completely different um, um, strategy than 
I just want to save the most money every month. Right, because your payment might actually go yeah. up. And so um, I could easily, or anybody could easily um, lower the monthly payment, but it's not going to pay off their home any faster. Mm-hmm and just force them into something that is not exactly aligned with their goal. So some people might refinance to go from a 30-year to a 15-year. Exactly. And, and then at the same time, um, um, there are times where I say, hey, let's refinance, you get the lower monthly payment, but we're not going to go to a 15-year, we're going to go 30-year, and we're going to keep your monthly payment the same. And this will shave this many years off. Mm-hmm. Um, or you're going to take that extra payment and you're going to put it into a savings. You're not going to spend it. And then every six months to 12 months, you look around, no family emergency. Now you just put a lump sum towards your principal. Okay. And I make sure I put them into a loan where there's no prepayment penalties or anything mm-hmm. like that. Um, because some, for some people, uh, um, that extra $300 a month um, going from a 30-year to a 15, that hurts them. Mm-hmm. For some people, it does. And so I try to help them structure this where, okay, um, this is what I'm trying to accomplish. How can I make it work for me and, and give myself backup options? Good. Okay, so you've heard it from John Kahn, the mortgage coach, here on 930 AM The Answer with me, Todd Marquardt, on Talk Law Radio. We're going to take another break. Uh, When we come back, we'll talk about financing to purchase and what programs might be available for you. If you have a question about mortgages, call us at 210-308-8867. We'll be right back. Talk Law Radio with Todd Marquardt is sponsored by the Marquardt Law Firm and does not attempt to solve your individual legal problems upon the basis of information contained herein. Instead, contact an attorney to discuss the specific facts and circumstances of your unique situation. The views and opinions of this program do not reflect the views of the Salem Media Group. Welcome back to Talk Law Radio. I'm Todd Marquardt. We're here to help you discover your legal issue blind spots by listening to me talk about the law on the radio, Apple Podcasts, and TalkLawRadio.com. You can learn more about our sponsor, Marquardt Law Firm, at MarquardtLawFirm.com, and you can learn more about our guest, John Kahn, with Cross Country Mortgage by calling him at 210-792-792. 2108. That's 210-792-2108. Or you can email him at jonathan.con, K-H-A-N, at myccmortgage.com. We were just talking about uh, refinancing, and now I'd like to talk more about uh, purchasing. Do you do purchases too? I do. Um, 80 to 90% of my business is purchase business. So I've always had the philosophy that if I do my job right um, on the purchase side, that ideally the customer would never need to refinance unless there was a specific wealth-building strategy for that refinance. So I've always been focused on purchase business. Great. So if someone listening is a first-time home buyer. 
How do they prepare for getting financing? The the first thing I would say is um, the sooner you can talk to a mortgage professional, the better. Um, a lot of times we notice that home buyers can often be a lot like car buyers in that they don't even think about the financing until they show up to the lot and they're ready to buy a car. And um, uh, unfortunately, that's very true uh, of my experience as well. Somebody says, hey, I, I, I haven't even applied for a mortgage. I don't know where I'm at, but I see this house and I want to buy it and I want to put an offer in tomorrow. Uh, all the time, all the time, it, it, it eats into my weekends and my mm-hmm. evenings. But um, the, the thing, the, the reason why it's so important to get ahead of it, I say even as early as a year in advance, is because um, for certain loan programs, and, and keep in mind there are hundreds of different loan programs, but for certain loan programs, there are magic numbers uh, for, the, for your FICO score, right? So lenders, lenders have what's called guidelines and overlays, and overlays is just a fancy word for restriction. And so the restriction to fit into this one program, you might be at, uh, might be 640 FICO score. And then another program is 620 FICO score. But the one with the 640 FICO score is a slightly better program than the one with the 620 FICO score. And somebody might be at 635. Right. And Just I can help it. somebody get to 640 or above. You know, I, I, I study credit reports. I'm, I'm, I consider myself a, a little bit of a credit expert um, out of necessity. But um, I was just going to ask, um, because following uh, the, the 2018 um, market correction, there was less lending to people who had lower credit scores. It, has that corrected itself now again? It, it has. So what had happened was um, because of the high risk involved of um, forbearances specifically, so we have about 3 million forbearances in the, in the United States. Last what time does I that checked. mean? So a forbearance is um, somebody hits hard times and then, um, well, Donald Trump basically came out and said, you know, you're not going to get evicted from your home if you can't oh, right. pay the, the, the um, mortgage, so we're just going to do a forbearance. But unfortunately, he hadn't really discussed with um, Wall Street and the banks uh, what are the implications of making this statement. Mm-hmm. So um, uh, basically, the politicians were on Capitol Hill just <laughs> coming up with some last-minute legislation, how are we going to make this work and deliver on this promise that the president made mm-hmm. uh, to make sure that citizens felt safe in their homes. Mm-hmm. So... Um, the, uh, a lot of consumers were doing forbearances. That's what they needed to do. But what most customers don't realize is that um, when you don't pay your mortgage, the lender still has to. There's a difference between servicing a loan and owning the loan. Mm-hmm. And most lenders service a loan. They don't actually own the loan. They turn around and sell it to Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac. So um, that, that's a whole different deep rabbit hole to get into. Um, we can if you want to. But in a nutshell, so... While all of these customers, uh, three million of them, just stop paying the mortgage, these lenders are in the hole every single month having to pay three million dollars worth of monthly um, mm-hmm. th- monthly payment, monthly mortgage payment for three million people. Yeah. And so what? The, some of them moved out of the market completely. Some of them just went bankrupt. They closed. Um, some of them just tightened up their lending guidelines and said, we're not going to lend to anybody who doesn't fit into a very small box 
that we feel safe with the risk profile. Mm -hmm. So that uh, when COVID first happened, the um, the guidelines and, and restrictions that most lenders had, they just reeled them back. There were some lenders they wouldn't lend to you unless you're putting 20% down and you're above 700 FICO. Um, so, so, so every single lender was different. They made their own rules for that. They started to reel back on that, um, especially as the economy starts to recover. Okay, so that's good. More people can get mortgages. Yes. And I guess the, the down payment, that's something that's different for each loan also? For each loan, um, there's different types. There's so many different types of programs. So, so some, um, there's obviously down payment assistance programs. Um, there's some um, loans like USDA where it's not actually the individual. It's the property itself where the property located. It's located in an area that's considered rural. Okay. And here in San Antonio, for the most part, if I really simplify it, San Antonio hasn't updated the um, the the city map for like 35 years. So any a lot of property outside of 1604 Loop is considered wall. Oh. By our standards, they're not. But yeah. from city uh, municipal mm-hmm. um, charting, it is. So um, then there's like VA. Um, if you're a veteran, if you serve this country, there's, uh, the VA loan is hands down the best program out there, mm-hmm. uh, 0% down. There are a lot of first-time homebuyer programs. Now, um, this is where it gets a little bit confusing because not everybody gets put into a first-time homebuyer program. Um, not everybody necessarily qualifies for a first-time homebuyer program either. So usually the benefit of a first-time homebuyer program will be either in a slightly lower interest rate um, or and or a slightly lower than market rate mortgage insurance. Okay. Uh, mortgage insurance, believe it or not, is um, more expensive than the interest rate. So wow. while most customers get hung up, what, the, what is the um, interest rate that you can get me, the best interest rate, um, uh, me personally, I spend more time shopping mortgage insurance than I do interest okay. rates. And, and I can show them side by side, look, this program has lower mortgage insurance. Look how much that saves you. Um, but you only really have to put down, uh, pay for mortgage insurance if your down payment's it's not less high than 20%, yes. Okay. It's less than 20%. Now, there, there are some programs where... Um, you're putting less than 20% down, and there's no mortgage insurance. Wow. Yes. Uh, but the, um, usually they, they make that up by increasing the interest rate. Oh. So that's where you have to weigh the pros and cons. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also, if you have really good credit, and when I say really good credit, I'm talking above 700, mm-hmm. you can actually um, do a single premium. You buy out the mortgage insurance, and I've seen that as low as $2,000. Okay. So I mean, what's the difference between putting um, an extra twenty grand as the down payment on the home versus paying two thousand dollars to get rid of the mortgage insurance completely? Wow, that's a big difference. It's a huge difference in the amount of money that you're holding in your pocket. And so, mm-hmm. one of the first questions I ask somebody: What's the most important thing to you? Is it putting the least amount of money down? Is it having the lowest monthly payment, or just somewhere in between? And, and when I can find that out, I can offer them better options because now what I'm trying to get them into is more aligned with their goals. Wow. None of the advertisers on TV are talking about these options. It, it can get really complicated if you allow it to. Um, and, and my job is really to find something that, that helps somebody build wealth over the long term. Good. I like that approach. 
Okay, so uh, we talked about refinancing. We talked about purchasing. Um, can you think of a specific uh, program that you want to highlight? Um, so, well, my um, my uh, my specialty is uh, with uh, working with veterans, VA loans. Um, believe it or not, a lot of veterans don't even know about the VA program. It's mind-boggling to me, but it's hands down the best program out there. There is one thing that I do want to highlight, um, especially now that we've kind of had a refinance craze. A, a lot of veterans fall victim to something that's called churning. And churning is when you keep doing refinances back to back. You're, you're just churning mm-hmm. the you're churning that loan over and over. And the reason why is because VA loans have the most flexibility when it comes to refinance. You can wrap all the cost in. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a very small margin of of um, what has to be met in order to allow a refinance. And so a veteran could buy a home. And then six months later, they're refinancing it. Another six months later, they're refinancing it again. And uh, for the veteran, you know, they, they look at a bottom line number and think, okay, yeah, my payment's going down 50 bucks. But they're not seeing the added equity that's been eaten into the home to make that happen. Um, and my philosophy's always been, if you do the loan right up front once, ideally, you, you should not have to refinance again. Yeah, if you keep refinancing, that's not helping you build wealth. No, it's not. Okay, so be careful about that if you're a veteran looking to refinance. We're going to take one more break, and when we come back, we'll be talking about the mortgage law. We'll be talking about legacy, talk a little bit about more about mortgages. So stay tuned. If you recently moved to Texas from out of state, your current will, trust, and power of attorney may need to be reviewed and updated. Wills and powers of attorney are state-specific, so it might be a good idea to meet with a Texas attorney. Marquardt Law Firm is the go-to firm in San Antonio for wills, trust, and powers of attorney. They'll develop a strategy to tax-efficiently protect and preserve your assets, reduce family conflict, and maximize government benefits. Call today to schedule your no-cost legal consultation. 210-530-4278. Protect what's yours with Marquardt Law Firm. Welcome back to Talk Law Radio with Todd Marquardt. I'm here with John Kahn with Cross Country Mortgage. John is the mortgage coach, so if you have a question for him that you want us to answer right now uh, on the air, call us at 210-308-8867. If you would uh, rather call John directly, you can do that as well by calling him at 210-792-2108. That's 210-792-2108. Or you can email him at jonathan.con, K-H-A-N, at myccmortgage.com. Okay, so um, I found out about how uh, revocable living trusts sort of creep into the, the mortgage law and vice versa. Uh, are you familiar with the the law that prevents the due on sale clause uh, from getting triggered 
when there's a transfer from an individual to a revocable living trust? You're talking about the St. Germain. Yeah. That, that, that's a tough question. Yes, I'm a little bit familiar. Uh, that law was passed before I was even born. Um, so uh, the, the thing that um, I, I want to address that question, but before I jump into that, okay. the thing I want to point out is when we look at a bill or a law, um, these things are massive, right? The Dodd-Frank was over 800 pages. And so they don't do just one thing. St. Germain Act does several things. First, it um, introduced adjustable rate mortgages, arms, um, because before before that law was passed, adjustable rate mortgages were not allowed. Oh. Um, second, what it did was uh, it removed a cap on the interest rate. So prior to that, um, federal guidelines said, hey, you cannot have the interest rate this far above par. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, what that did, a positive benefit, was it allowed um, it allowed lenders to um, uh, charge what interest rate they wanted, and a lot of them moved into the commercial space because commercial real estate is considered more risky, and so to mm-hmm. balance out that risk, they have higher interest rates. But also, in general, just remove the cap so, so lenders can pick and choose for themselves what they want to charge. The third thing that it did, um, major thing, right, is what you're talking about, the um, um, do-on-sale clause. So um, I should probably do a disclaimer. I'm not a lawyer, right? No, right. no legal advice. Talk to Todd. <laughs> Definitely talk to Todd. <laughs> but um, essentially, if there's um, a, a divorce or a death in the family, um, the St. Germain Act, uh, specifically the do-on-sale clause, prevents banks from calling the full mortgage due um, when, when title transfers ownership. Mm-hmm. So let's just say um, uh, your parents die and now you've inherited the house. The bank can't just call you and say, okay, now you have to pay off the mortgage in full. They can't force that on you. So long as you occupy the home. Okay. So that's the, that's the caveat. You have to occupy the home um, in order to be protected by that law. Okay. Now, if, if title transfers ownership to someone else because you're selling the home, or, or, or something along that, right. then, of course, they're, they're going to protect themselves by calling in that mortgage because they want to be paid. And the mortgage gets paid off when the... Uh, when you sell. Ideally, right. ideally, the mortgage gets paid off when you sell the home. Okay, good. So one question I had was, um, because the real estate market is so hot right now, I hear lots of realtors saying that uh, the seller is getting multiple offers, yes. and it's it's for more than the asking price. Um, how how can you reconcile that with the fact that a, a bank doesn't want to uh, finance a loan that's more than market value? It is a tough market right now, and um, uh, a lot of a lot of buyers are getting discouraged. Even realtors are getting discouraged because. Um, Specifically in Texas, each home might have 30, 40 different offers on it. Um, it's, it's a, granted, it's a tough market. Um, and you're right, the bank don't want to lend more than it's appraised for. A handful of scenarios that I'm doing right now are renovation loans. Renovation loans are where you can actually get um, funding up to above the, the um, appraised value. 
Um, now, obviously, not everybody wants to move into a renovation. You know, mm -hmm. they, they want the first home to be moving ready. Um, and um, what that kind of comes down to, unfortunately, is um, uh, really it, it having the right team behind you. But some people are just not ready. I mean, some people are relying on programs like down payment assistance, and um, they don't have that additional capital to offer over appraised value. So, so what's happening is um, uh, initially it would make more sense, well, if the home's getting 30 offers and getting 20, 30 grand over, why not just list the price for 20, 30 grand higher? Mm -hmm. What's happening in those situations is the realtor actually knows what they're doing. And so by putting a fair market value, they're basically saying the home will probably appraise for this month. Mm -hmm. And because the home will pay appraised for this month, if you want to win this offer and offer even more than what the home is worth on paper, um, you, you need to come out of pocket the difference between what the home will appraise oh, for and the sales price. Uh, because uh, uh, the common sense question is, well, prices are going up, just let's put a different price. But mm -hmm. it, what it's doing is it's, it's preparing the buyer and the buyer's realtor for reasonable, reasonably the home's going to appraise for this month. And if you do want to buy it, you're going to have to, whatever you're going to offer, you're going to have to pay that difference. Yeah, so the bank will loan the appraised value and uh, then based you, on the page value, and yes. then you pay more if if it, if you're in a, a negotiation to pay more. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. And and one one thing that can really help mitigate that is working with a really good lender and a really good realtor that understand this market, and they can make sure that you're making competitive offers, but also that, you know, you're not sinking every single dollar you have into the home, because uh, I call that house poor. Um, for some people, they, they decide that is the best decision for them and their family, and I completely respect and honor that, um, but I do see it where sometimes people get so focused on um, or pushed into a direction that's maybe not their best interest that they, they sink every dollar they have into the home, and now and they're house they poor. can't go out to eat yes exactly <laughs> can't go to the movies exactly okay why do you think it's uh so hot right now why is the market so so um a handful of things um uh we're having a, a huge shift uh, um a lot of people are coming into certain states a lot of people are leaving certain states um the the I can go a couple different ways, if, if that's okay with you. Sure. So um, on one hand, we have a huge shift. Um, people in California are flipping a coin, and they say, if it lands on heads, we're going to Texas. If it lands on tails, we're going to um, Florida. And it lands on heads, and they're moving to Bolverde, and they've never been to Bolverde before. Mm -hmm. Like, that, that, that's happening. Sight unseen. <laughs> and then, um, you know, the... Uh, uh, we also have a, a cultural shift where people are working from home and they're saying, I don't want to live in this high cost of living uh, California or New York, and so mm -hmm. I can live cheaper in Texas. Um, or even investors where they're saying, I'm not going to be able to buy a home for less than $750,000 in California, but people are selling home for dollars $200,000, $250,000, $300,000 mm -hmm. in Texas. I right. could buy two, three, four homes. Yeah. Um, so, so the, there's that. Uh, on the other hand, um, there's actually a shortage of houses on the market. And people don't really know what that means when I say that. But um, let me see if I can 
you were saying that there wasn't as many homes being built, right? Yes, exactly. So I have a little chart here, and um, this goes by decades, right? So home built in the United States by decade, a million. So in the 1930s, from 1930 to 1939, 5.4 million homes built. Um, the 40s, 9.6 million homes built. 50, 21.4 million homes built. The 60s, 20.2, 70, 25.8, 80, 25.2, 90, 26.7, the 2000s, 27.1 million. And then between 2010 and 2019, 5.8 million built. Wow, that's a big drop. That's a big drop. And so we need to catch up on building these homes, but then you also look at people willing to sell their home, if real estate prices have increased 15% the past year, and the year before that was 6%, and year over year minimum 4%, not too many people are enthusiastic about selling their home right now because they're thinking, well, maybe it'll go up another 15% next year. Right. So a lot of things Interesting. are adding and compounding, and it's it become a, a, a great for real estate as a, a investment and equity vehicle. It's been tough for people wanting to get into real estate. That's food for thought. Thank you. Okay, so we're nearing the end of the show, and I want to hit the legacy segment uh, where we find out from you how you want to be remembered how you want to be known, uh, what lessons you want to leave, or what legacy you want to leave. Um, okay, so uh, no pressure, right? So um, I led this podcast just kind of being a little bit vulnerable. I told people, hey, I'm legally deaf. Mm-hmm. And for most of my life, I've kind of hid that fact. Um, I don't like people making assumptions based on um, what I can and cannot do or, or the limits of my capacity um, because I do feel that certain times in my life that people did um, um, discriminate in a way or make assumptions that I didn't have the capacity that um, others did because of my hearing loss. And um, so something happened in my life and it just lit a fire in me. What had happened was a really good buddy of mine from college rose the ranks of government, and I'm a huge high mid-level in Department of Health and Human Services. And he was telling me this time where he had to hire for a position, and it was the best candidate, hands down, was a deaf person. But she didn't speak, she shined. And he could understand her well enough, but he didn't hire her because he was, he was concerned about her capacity to do the job. And... I didn't criticize him because that's not what he needed from me in that moment. But in my head, that person wasn't less than me. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, clearly had a lot of skill sets and, and capability. My friend's own words was she was outstanding mm-hmm. in the interview. But it lit a fire in me, like, by me holding back and not being vulnerable and saying, look, I have a hearing loss, and look at what I can do and what can I, I can accomplish. And don't make assumptions based on a communication barrier that somebody else doesn't really have it together because there are some brilliant and talented people that they're deaf or they're deaf and blind and they're geniuses. And the only reason you don't know that in that moment is because of a simple communication barrier. That's awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that. Absolutely. I think that uh, people will identify with that. Uh, uh, can, I, can I say one more thing? One more thing, I know. Um, Technology come a long way. 
enjoy. I mean, there's so much technology that reduces that communication barrier. I mean, phones that have words in them,、um, but don't let don't let that be a limitation, and and、um, uh, at least making the effort. Thanks, John.